Hello, and welcome back to Literally Literary. If this is your first time joining us, be sure to check out our previous episodes. This episode, we are continuing our discussion on The Ones Who Don't Say They Love You by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. In this episode, we will be discussing the second half of the collection. I did it. <laughs> you did it. Leave a, leave a, yo, leave a review. Did you know you can leave reviews? We want to read them. Yes. You know, what, do you, what are your thoughts? What do you think? But also, what kind of merch do you want to see? If any, mm. you know? Yes. Yeah. I think merch is always a good idea, especially to get our, to get us out there a little more. Um, I like t-shirts. I like stickers, but that's just me. Stickers <laughs> are like a classic. You can't go wrong with stickers. Yeah. So we, that's where, that's probably, if we do, where we'll start. Where we'll start. Yeah. Perhaps. I know. All right. Now we can get started with the... <laughs> second half of our discussion on the ones who don't say they love you stories stories <laughs> stories right we thought we thought we would give a shout out to the fact that it is a collection of stories and it's part of the title so yes mm-hmm. <laughs> also i was listening to the first episode or part one uh earlier well i was also editing it um I, I made it sound like this was a... F- well, no, it, it didn't, but it could be misconstrued that I did. That this is the first author that we're, that we're revisiting. And that's not the case. We have, for example, Angie Thomas. We've mm, already talked yeah. about two of hers. So, <coughs> And there's mm-hmm. more coming. I know we do plan on you know, visiting authors that we've read before. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in that, in that sense, kind of form community um, with... You know, the authors that we read and, and, you know, we never even talked about visiting Kali, huh? Kali. Okay, sorry. No, I'm derailing. Let's go back to... No, but I was just <laughs> thinking about that, too, because we we're going to read her, her novel um, this summer. So, yeah. yeah, we can talk about the visit. What do you think? How was it, <laughs> Vanessa? <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Vanessa was, like, <laughs> lost trying to find... Yeah, I don't go over there. (laughs) I don't go there. I don't go over there. Yeah. It's not my neck of the woods. Meanwhile, it was old stomping grounds. I know. We got to meet, we got to meet like one of her biggest influences and getting Mm. into Chicano literature and Mm -hmm. that was really cool. Thank you for that. And that was very cool. I, it took everything in me not to just sob <laughs> the entire time i was like it would have been fine if you did a too. nervous wreck <laughs> yeah i was sobbing on the inside um <laughs> trying to play it cool on the outside as usual um <laughs> just a mess on the inside all yeah. the time but yeah, yeah it was it was cool to go back to my old stomping grounds and just like hang out and and go to those readings that i used to really enjoy going to that I never took for granted still don't yeah I always encourage mm-hmm. my students and former students like you don't know how cool this is you don't know like these opportunities you have and every time every time yeah <laughs> they're just like whatever we don't care <laughs> um but yeah it was it was cool and and so we were all there and uh Former co-host Jorge Gomez was there. <laughs> Shout out! Hell yeah! <laughs> to Jorge. Yeah, it was a really nice reading. Um, 
it was really exciting to have her uh, at NMSU and for her to recognize you both from like mm-hmm. a year ago. Yeah, right away. Yeah. She's Which like, is crazy. Yeah. She, she yeah, she's really awesome in that way and um she rem- she remembered our names which was a trip. Mm-hmm. And uh <laughs> what was really cool was getting to see her read live. Mm-hmm. You know, she the performativity yeah. of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. She's she's just a presence. Um like such a vibrant presence on her own. Like I don't know why I wasn't expecting her to read like that, but I was like, "Whoa, this is cool." So she'll <laughs> she'll be in Texas, and uh, I mean a little further away. Uh, I know. I, I think her impression <laughs> is that we drove a little further. Than... Yeah. Well, it was, a, it was a you know not too bad of a drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she thought we were. You drove all the way here, like. <laughs> Yeah, we did. Because we like, <laughs> she's going to be taking a position, you know, uh, in Austin, right? I, yeah, I want to say Austin. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, we look forward to vis- visiting her book. Yes. yes. And uh, a bunch of others book. that we may um, revisit. Mm-hmm. Ben Sines being another one I can Sorry. think of top of my head. Yes. And new authors, too. Border, and new authors. In the, from the border. Yes. Mm. So, awesome. Yes. And... Since we're talking about like commenting and trying to get more input from the listeners, if you have any suggestions for books that you want us to cover, that's always, we'll always welcome that too. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right, Vanessa, now you can jump into <laughs> discussion. <laughs> wait, 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 let's get our priorities straight and jump into the next <laughs> section. I'm just kidding. Go ahead, go ahead. I had to, I had to. Shameless. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Priorities. Nice. Priorities. Priorities. Go ahead. So the first one we're going to talk about today is The Pie Man. Um, and I had a lot to say, but I'm going to kind of narrow it down a little bit. <laughs> um, you don't have to, just in case. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you want permission. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> um... But what I, something that really stood out to me in this one was the way that dialogue is written. Um, and it kind of reoccurs throughout the collection, but it really stood out to me in this story in particular. Um, okay, guys. <laughs> <coughs> um... Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I know Richie, you were talking about the imagery mm-hmm. in in a lot of these stories. <laughs> um, this one in particular has a lot of really great imagery, especially the last image, which we're not going <coughs> to spoil. Are we doing this now? Is this a thing? Doing what? <laughs> no, not we're not spoilers? spoiling it. Really? Well, I feel like I, have we always done spoilers? Uh yeah, I mean if we're talking about the book. <laughs> yeah, I don't, okay. I don't mind spoiling. I, I, I think it was it. usually the first episode where we would be spoiler free, where we just mm, kind of went over an yes. overview. Okay. But since we've changed the format, it's just like, well, yeah. if we okay. want to talk about like like I I feel like if people are listening, they've read it, you know, or they're trying to like they don't want to read it for class, <laughs> so they're like, well, let me see what these guys say about it. Mm-hmm. All right. 
So if you're listening right now, I called you out. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no. Obviously, you guys enjoyed the book, right? Right? I'm just kidding. So talking we to the audience. We're talking to the audience a lot today. I know. So we can spoil. Okay. Cool. You know why? Because I was thinking about this too, though. Listening to the first episode. Um, by not talking about certain things, like we avoid our getting to analyze specific imagery and outcomes. You know, mm. having a more uh, in-depth discussion on, mm. on themes, you know. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, unless you guys want want to stay, like, no, I won't. I'm I'm not gonna because, fight you on it. Because <laughs> the first episode, we definitely well, except for the stuff I said, it was mostly spoiler free. But we kind of like maybe sold the book. Like we're like, well, there's a couple twists here. You have to mm, buy the book to find yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't want to give those spoilers because they were like I really want people to read these stories True. and then to have that like same reaction that we did like even today we were reading here and yeah like <gasps> gasping every few minutes yeah so i was getting to a really good part and then right was like can, can you open the door and you're like no my <laughs> <Sorry>. momentum <laughs> so sorry it's not your fault um i know why'd you lock the door on me <laughs> that's your fault i told you i was coming um <laughs> Well, so I think some spoilers are okay. Okay. Um, it doesn't have to be spoiler-free, but the that's ones fair. that I think are really exciting, maybe we can like... Like the big twists. And yeah, like, Okay, that's off. fair. That's fair. Cool. As long, okay. I, we should have talked about this pre-show. I know. And, and, and oftentimes we talk about the book pre-show, and we say really cool things that we forget to touch on during the episode. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even after all this time, it's still it's still a work in progress. We're still learning. Our beats and and what yeah. works. Anyway, the pie man. Pie man. Yes, the pie man. Why is it called the pie man? Because one of the characters is the pie man. Um, the pie man is baby's dad. Baby um, is the other yes. main character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is he a baby? He's not. He's fourteen. Um, and he's kind of like figuring out who he is. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like rebelling against his mom, especially because now the pie man wants to be involved in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one thing is that, <clears throat> again, uh, Hurricane Katrina, or, or you know, just mm, thinking about New yeah. Orleans, like the way that affected people and Mm -hmm. just really hurricane hurricane season storms um it's something that we don't think a lot about here as much but it it obviously it's it's such a huge thing here um and so this family is is i mean their house is is really not up to speed right now yeah um it smells it's there's a lot of mold there's i mean it's it, it was hit hard um, and, and we were talking about the circumstances, you know, so this is where they're at. And you mm-hmm. can tell that they're really struggling. And um, part of the, the business that he does and this other character, Sanchez, who is an older Hispanic man, like it seems like they work in construction, mm-hmm. right? Working with um, a lot of the buildings that were damaged and destroyed during the storms, mm-hmm. uh, including the school. Which I think there's some interesting uh, imagery and symbolism in that as well, but 
um, you know, the Pie Man in particular, I think it's such an interesting way of identifying with a character or calling him, right? Because we learn that it's his, it's his father. Wait, is that a spoiler? Should I? I don't know anymore. Dude, I think I already said that. Yes, we did say it. I'm just okay. being I'm just being dramatic now. Stop. I learned it from, I learned it by watching you. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. But right, um obviously baby has like no want or need or desire to have think about him in life as as this, right? So he's the pie man. Mm-hmm. This dude who uh he does bake pies, right? Yeah. I'm trying, um anyway. We we're talking about like he's trying to find figure out who he is, like any fourteen year old. Right? Yeah. Um, and he's like running with the wrong crowd, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Mm-hmm. The group of kids yeah. who call themselves the mighty BNK, which stands for Black Ninja Crew with a K. Yes. Mighty Black Ninja Crew. On page seventy-seven. Yeah, so they're they're um, you know when you're fourteen and easily influenced. Not that when you're older, you're not also easily influenced. Obviously, but um, (laughs) still pretty easy easy influenced. (laughs) Same, but yeah, like you said, Vanessa, he's trying to find himself and like not having that father figure or having him, but not really emotionally available. Um, He's rebelling against his mom. He's trying to be cool around his friends. You know, all the basic Mm -hmm. stuff you would expect. And so he's, he's finding himself in these situations where he's trying to like prove himself. Um, Mm -hmm. And then gets in over his head, I think. Yeah. And by the end of the story. Yeah, uh, his friends are interesting to look at. Touche and Turtle. And then there's another yes. one that, of course, is is killed prior to this story um, telling. I do think it is, his background is interesting. So and they call him Baby because he is kind of baby-faced. He's super young, I mean, compared to the rest of his classmates. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they, there's a lot made about, like, his fro. And, uh, you know, speaking of the imagery, mm-hmm. I love the way that... Uh, <laughs> Ruffin talks about his his hair a little bit. Uh, Doesn't he have freckles too? Yeah, and he has freckles, and I was going to touch on that too. Okay. Um, but he calls the fro the fuzzy crown, a halo made of rabbit's fur, which I think is nice. But part of the reason why he grows it out is because he also has freckles. His mother is, is half white. And so that's the point of contention with and ridicule to his classmates. And so I thought an interesting passage was on page 77. Um, Everything's on page 77. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh there's no trace of, of the freckles baby got from his redheaded mama. The ones he catches hell for at school. The ones he tried to scrub off after reading the Dred Scott decision in American history the year before. But he knew that even if his freckles won't come off, he could still hold it down for his people like Malcolm X, Tupac Shakur, or Lil Wayne. <laughs> I underlined that last line. Just got, that was an interesting, like... um. Obviously, Lil Wayne's like a a big figure, and a lot of people do look up to him. Um, I I normally wouldn't put him in the same breath as the other two. Um, 
mm-hmm. as historical figures. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it does speak what it does mean to him, though. Yeah. And his, you know, and his friends and his classmates. So, um, and he is, it is holding it down, right? So, just thought that was an interesting look into his, his thoughts, his, his a little bit of insecurities. He doesn't kind of, he want to keep that hair too. He wants to keep that hair. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, yeah. So getting over said, maybe we can move along, but just really, there's a conflict, and and it's just like there's there's the pressure from one of the kids to to seek justice for this incident, right? Where they did lose their friend. He was shot in the back by, by this man. And the way they make it sound is that it was, it's gang turf war. But in this particular instance, it sounds like they were just trying to rob an, an older man mm-hmm. of his tools. And it's, just, it's an interesting way to talk about, um, in this, in this entire collection, <coughs> there's a, in this particular one, there's a Latino presence. Right, and you hear a little bit of that dialogue that that we discuss a lot in reading other books, right? Like about mm-hmm. immigration and like coming to mm-hmm. the country, and mm-hmm. even baby knows enough to say like, "Well, I know that that's not the case because they've lived here." Like my mom went to school mm-hmm. with you know his his son, so it, I I think those are all interesting points that that Ruffin brings up in these, and so. I don't know. Did you have anything more before the end of that? Um. What did I think? <laughs> I liked the um. Your mama jokes. Yeah, I thought that, that felt very funny. authentic and genuine, right? Yeah. Like, uh, um. <laughs> and then I, I thought it was interesting how. Turtle is the last one to, say one, and then. As they're about to start, they realize um, it's Touche. And he stops himself because of, like, the circumstances with Turtle's mom. And I thought that that was interesting just because he t- they all take, like, that precaution to, like, to avoid saying anything. But Turtle was, like, partaking in it. So, like, obviously, like, he knew what... I feel like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. But it's, like, they still took that consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, their their whole interactions are pretty interesting. Like even this stuff, the like, you mentioned it pre-show. How kind of reason one of the reasons why they're a gang and getting into all the shows like to them it would make them cool and get them laid. <laughs> like, and I just think it's such yeah. like a middle school boy thing like that these guys do. Like, because mm, yeah. to baby, these guys are all like talking about like women and getting like getting some. I'm like, mm, you're probably not guys. Like, <laughs> it's just something like these kids do. Yeah. Are fourteen, yeah, yeah. right. And yeah, the, but it does seem very authentic. I really like mm-hmm. the voice in this one. And your mama jokes, yeah. Um, I, I and so this one, of course, I, I was talking about like the images and the imagery, and mm-hmm. this is another short story where the last image is is so powerful. I just on on its like own, it's almost like it's it's. There's the threat of violence, and you have the image of a club covered in, in nails, and there's no falling action from this. It just It's a frozen image of baby holding this up mm-hmm. to inside violence. Um, mm-hmm. he's, in a bad, he's in a bad headspace, too, by this point. 
he had been jumped previously right before this. So his head's probably a little messed up. And then plus the pressures of all everything else going on and mm. kind of maybe even touche getting in his head. But, plus uh, didn't they get high like right before? Yeah, and they were too, they were so. inhaling uh <laughs> So all, all that, that exactly. So well, all I think these that things, was before, but was they are before. drinking. They were well, no, drinking. I no. think it's like a couple of days before because they get high and oh. then that's when he gets jumped. On his way home. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then afterwards they go. Okay. Like a, right. I think it's a couple of days, isn't it? I thought it was right after. Is it right after? He goes and steals the pie man's van because he's, 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 it's oh, fresh off right. his mind. Right. Yes. And, um, you know, you're not thinking straight, and oftentimes that's what leads to bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already happened a couple times in other stories in this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, you just have this image of him holding up the club and the nails pointing in every which direction to his victim, to Tiche, and of course himself. And I just, that, there's a little bit of, <laughs> hold on, check off. <laughs> in that for some reason in my mind Anton Chekhov right people always like to refer to his quotes on on writing you know almost to a point of cliche but right I remember one is like don't tell the world that the moon is shining show them to the glint of light on broken glass and I, I feel like that whole club with nails is that image kind of image mm. um, you know the moonlit night and just it's just with the threat of violence in the air. It's 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 a great way to end it off because again, it's not an easy end. It's not a, like it's open interpretation. Does he follow through? Mm-hmm. Does he chain in? Of course, the implication that this is violence that will follow him, mm-hmm. which is a recurring theme in yeah. a lot yeah. of these stories. Yeah. So what's, what's our next one? <laughs> The next one is the places I couldn't go, which is like just a few paragraphs in a short story about a young couple Mm -hmm. who got pregnant. And we see it from the male perspective, um, the decision to get rid of the baby, but Mm -hmm. then... The girl decides at the clinic she doesn't want to do that anymore. And then that kind of takes some turns. And and again, it's from the male perspective. So it's like it's only what he is experiencing after the fact. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's so brief. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably why. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she she has a change of heart. He responds with, I thought you were better than this. She left me outside the clinic, which there I feel like is is already alluding to the title, The Places I Couldn't Go. That's one of the places he couldn't go. Um, and then he starts reminiscing about like how they used to be happy and how they used to make out on her mom's couch. It was a very young love. I'm, I'm assuming they're teenagers, right? Yeah. Well, she was in two-year college, but she might be. Um, then he sees her years later and she has a young boy with her, her son. And he's like trying to get her attention, just looking at her, staring at her and she won't look at him. And the boy is staring at him, right? 
but she says, don't stare at that man. We don't know him. We don't know him. Mm. Yeah. And so it's a really short story, again, from a male perspective, just kind of these huge choices and the separation of this couple. Um, and all the unanswered questions, I guess, or the what could have been um, because mm. of that choice, right? Yeah. I like this one. For like, uh, maybe like a full page of text, you know, again, you have characters that, yeah, I mean, there's whole stories there that are untold. Mm-hmm. Um, again, going back to that Virginia Wolf, like, characters having tunnels behind them, and obviously there's so much more to that, and I, I do kind of like this image of this man working at a gas station and, and he knows this is his ex and this could be his his son, it's implied, right? And, mm. you know, they they drive off with some other guy into, in, into the sunset, right? Not, not literally, right? That's me adding to it, right? But again, just as, as a vignette in this collection of stories... Mm-hmm. Is is interesting. It's cool, you know, mm-hmm. like to tell this brief little like type of human interaction that happens. You know, if you wanted to, you could expand that so much more, right? Mm-hmm. Into like what happens after they break up and her maybe raising the kid on her own or whatever, meeting this new guy and maybe he's supportive and you know, but we only get like you said his perspective where it's it's so brief. Mm-hmm. Where they're young, he decides not to really support her. She right. decides, and for her, that's it. She's like, no, I'm done. Yeah. To the point where, like, when he does try and go back and visit, her mom's like, no, she's not here. Yeah. Closes the book on that chapter. So, it's good storytelling mm-hmm. in that way. But, what do you guys think about the next one? Spinning. Spinning. There's three, four parts. Four. This one's like the standout kind of the collection, and and, uh, Mm. is is unique. Yes, from the collection. I don't know what your thoughts were. I read each one of these, so there's each one is titled one, two, three, and then zero, Mm -hmm. and they read like poetry, kind of. Yeah, and. There's a lot of, like, recurring images here, too, of, like, mm-hmm. parents battling cancer. So the mother and the father? Mm-hmm. Yes. And these images of, like, the cigarettes, um, death, grief, those kinds of things. But mm-hmm. just the way that it's told is very unique, like you said, Richie. Yeah, I... It's hard to follow, like, to to know the span of, like, how long between each one of these. Like, what – did you guys figure that out? Like, the years maybe in between these? Yeah, it's like it jumps around. Yeah, I don't think it's – From time, like, linear. Linear. I don't – yeah. Definitely some uh, some great imagery. Yeah. Yeah, because it goes down – it goes to zero. And uh, I guess spinning, like, I'm just, I'm just thinking that they get into an accident. Mm, that's what I thought, too. Well, it's just maybe that 
meta that image or metaphor of like kind of being in a spinning accident is like he ends with this will always be this uh oh it's some intense like because <laughs> the previous sections are all about his parents and and like mortality dying mm-hmm. and death and and mm-hmm. how their decisions have led to these things right the cigarette mm-hmm. smoking the you know and um him he's four years old here mm-hmm. experiencing this near-death experience or, or you know this collision and the movement and, and fright and also the slow motion of it i feel like it's a, it's a interesting way to like bow tie all these little little sections together and it is it is most unique in that it does feel like poetry poetic prose right and that they have unique line breaks and mm-hmm. maybe some more abstract uh lines mm-hmm. it's a little harder it's a little harder to interpret too compared mm-hmm. comparatively then yeah i came back to it a few times and I'm, i still have a lot of questions so if if he were in, like here right now or if we were on a call what what questions would you guys ask him about this one? What does it all mean? <laughs> <laughs> what are all the answers? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know what I would ask. Um But it is like a departure from all the other ones. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it is. And it's right like smack in the middle of the book too, I feel like. Totally, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe how, maybe a question like, what is editor, editor's thought like about mm. this? Like, do mm. you really want to include this in this collection of short stories? Because it does seem like a standout piece mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. its own. Like, mm-hmm. it should be part of a different collection. Even though we have yeah. some of those themes that are yeah. recurring and stuff, it's not like any other yeah. piece. You know, at the same time, we we get like again more stories of of people mm-hmm. living. I imagine living in New Orleans, you know, and that kind of stuff, yeah. and you know that kind of stuff really has an impact on people. Losing, losing, obviously losing parents, um, mm-hmm. cancer, all that. Awesome. We just got approval, okay. Now you get you get the, you get the approval. Where, uh, Maurice, awesome. thank you so much. That means you. First of all, you listened to the first episode, so I know that that yes. sounds so random of a shift right now. Sorry, but as we as we bad. were no 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 as we were having as we were having a tough time coming to words and ideas, we Vanessa got a a message from Maurice. Who said we can call him Maurice? Perfect. <laughs> so that settles that question. So that settles that. And that means everything, though, when, when yeah, you know, they actually nice. listen yeah. and, and respond. So thank you so much. Yes. That's awesome. Now we just need to ask you to be a guest on the podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we can come back to spinning. But... Wives. Yeah. Um. Vanessa and I really liked fast hands, fast feet. Mm, I did. Yes. Well, did you? You didn't I, agree you didn't, with us. You didn't voice anything. I was like, I'm just I was nodding. <laughs> I was nodding aggressively. Okay. Oh my gosh. So you liked it too? Yeah, I like this one. 
Um, again, kind of discussing like struggles, different types mm -hmm. of struggles. Um, the characters in this story. Um, I don't know. They're they're. What's the main character's name? I forget. Um, do we know? I don't believe we get her name. I think she's just referenced by other people, but not by name. Okay. And I didn't even catch that it was a she. Is it not? Well, I just I assume. Thought. don't know. You're both saying she, so now I'm it? like, oh, it's crap. It says, um... <laughs> it's also kind of like their the relay of their experiences. Sounds like it's one of a feminine character. Oh, on 102. Oh. Yeah. Ain't got to run from me none, girl. So, so Sergeant oh. refers a couple times about, like, girl oh. references. But also, oh, right. like, the way they relate their experiences of kind of being harassed on the, in the streets. Mm -hmm. Sounds mm -hmm. like it's it's a, yeah. a, a woman experience. Or a feminine identifying, at least. Mm -hmm. Yes. So their struggle is... Um, not having a home, um, trying to like find scraps here and there to sell, to just get by every day. Mm. And that experience and who they run into, who, um, the kinds of people who are also on the street mm -hmm. struggling. And they're all different, but same, mm. <laughs> you know, in, in their struggles and, um, and we get the, this perspective of our our protagonist, our main character, and so she's kind of just like struggling with her own experience, but then she's taking on other people's experiences and like trying to say, oh, I'm not, like I can't be brought down by you, like I have my own stuff to worry about. Mm -hmm. um, so she's in her head a lot, which is mm -hmm. really nice for us as readers because we get to see. Yeah. Um, how she navigates you know a day in the life um meeting this other character sergeant then we have the, another character what's the other character's name queen, queen elizabeth, elizabeth two two <laughs> or the second <clears throat> queen elizabeth at first i was like whoa how'd she make a cameo in this one <laughs> i was like what's going on here oh, and then i was man. like oh, okay I had a lot of questions with this one too. Um, a lot of it wasn't as straightforward, um, and I think because the character, the main character, is struggling so much with like what she should be doing, or like should she be helping mm -hmm. out Sergeant? Mm -hmm. She's saying she doesn't want to, but she is still like forming this bond with her. And mm -hmm. at one point, she even talks about well family and like not having family does that mean sergeant is your family now queen elizabeth too mm -hmm. because they're mm -hmm. all experiencing similar yeah i don't know um well i thought this one had a lot to do with like love mm -hmm. and like how to receive it i think mostly um so kind of like what we talked about with the main protagonist um kind of she talks about all of her different experiences like being harassed and having to run from the police uh -huh. um and then so she finds this picture and this stuff 
this pile of stuff that she takes. Um, and I thought it was interesting the way that she describes the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so on 103, it says, She got happy cheeks and I love you forever eyes. I wonder what she wanted from whoever she was looking at. And it's kind of this idea of like using her looks to get what she wants. And that's the way that the protagonist seems to look at love. Um, and then there's like a contrast shortly after on 105. Um, and Sergeant's looking at the picture, who we later find out is related to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but on 105, it says, Sergeant stare like there ain't nothing in the world except for that picture. Nobody ever look at me like that. And kind of like this desire that she has to kind of feel that same love. But she was kind of talking like that love mm-hmm. isn't, she kind of looked at love as not a feeling, but as a way that you can get what you want. So I thought that that contrast was really interesting. Hmm. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't think about <coughs> that too much. I mean, I think that's one of the more memorable scenes, right? Is when she she has that thought. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was looking more at the demographic of homelessness. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it's really bad here, right? You have a lot of people like these yeah. these, these makeshift kind of almost towns where. You know, you have communities forming, and I think, you know, I think I think homelessness is one of the least things. I mean, people avoid it in many, many ways, talking about it, mm. thinking about some of the issues that, many of the issues that lead to it. Um, you know, for the most part, a lot of people want to dismiss uh, as a mental health kind of thing. Um, it's not necessarily necessarily always the case. Sometimes it's people that are let down by society. And even here, you see how Sergeant actually is someone who did service mm-hmm. and is in this situation, right? Because, you know, he wasn't the, the owner of the car she was robbing, right? He was, yeah. staying, he was in there to stay warm. Uh, and so he's looking for, for comfort in finding a community. And so in that lock, is, it's actually, right, his, his daughter... Mm-hmm. Um, who's not there anymore? She was killed, right? I think he said. Well, you just said she dead and long gone. She died, yeah. So she's mm-hmm. not around, and uh, and maybe in in some ways, kind of sees da- the daughter in in this this main character, because mm-hmm. you know I I think ultimately it's also about them just trying to survive. That's all what it is, right? Because mm-hmm. her in- her natural instincts are all about survival. And obviously, it, it, people have made it really hard to trust others. So that's why she mm-hmm. is the way she is and thinks the way she does. Yeah. But, I mean, you also see the police presence and mm-hmm. brutality mm-hmm. involved with that. Uh, I mentioned that in part one. You know, how that mostly the their presence in, in the book has been an, an antagonistic one. And I just think, obviously, this is a, a more modern narrative that we're hearing more of you know in the past we always talk about heroes and yes that's still the thing too but again if we're exploring the 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 i would say the lower frequencies i keep referring to referring to invisible man but again the types of cultures and subcultures and uh the the types of people who bubble up from the street again to invoke the beginning quote mm-hmm. um 
You know, I think that's worth mentioning that this is how they are seen and how they project that type of power onto onto them. So mm -hmm. Sergeant gets beat up a little bit, right? Brutalized mm -hmm. and yeah, uh, they help each other. They save each other. Survival in, in, a, in pure survival mode. So I do think it's interesting in that way. Yeah. Ooh, sure do talk that's a lot. That's a really good point. No, that's a that's a really good point. I like mm -hmm. that. Um, and I'm glad you brought it up because it it is something we've been talking about. The like like how you said the antagonistic police presence, um, towards certain marginalized groups, and how it's not coincidental. It's very real. Um, and it just goes back to the whole idea of like survival and what we have to do. And, um, even them, they felt in some cases and some parts of the story, um, okay, we're gonna have to run or make sure you do this. Or like, they're already anticipating having to mm. move. Right. Um, anything else you want to say about this story? Fast hands, fast feet. There's so much to say. Um, this is going back to the picture um, yeah. it's interesting the protagonist likes that picture not knowing who this person is and like mm, wanting like just kept taking it, it. <laughs> yeah mm. so that was interesting too <laughs> she almost didn't give it back to when, yeah. <laughs> when he mentioned it yeah and she also takes it back mm -hmm. so that's funny <laughs> And, and also, yeah. like, yeah, there was a situation where she was going to leave, mm. but she ends up staying. Yeah. Like, when her, like, you know, maybe yeah. That's why I'm questioning, and like, her motives. kind of open-ended in a way, too. Yeah, because she's, she's like, oh, you know, this quote-unquote cripple arm or, like, lame arm person, sergeant. It's going to kill himself in, in his sleep while he's dreaming. Um, so saying all of these things, sounding like she doesn't care about him. Or like he's just, mm -hmm. um, um, you know, going to hold her back or whatever. But she sticks around, you know, and takes care of him in a way. Yeah. And those are choices that she's making despite what she's thinking or saying. Despite how she's presenting herself to us reading this. She's still doing these really, like, nice things. and um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. Absolutely. Oof. <laughs> oh man, these are like I, I use the word vignettes. That's what I, it feels like, you know. It's just like <laughs> little episodic, like glimpses into people's everyday lives, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. ones that aren't usually put up in, in the limelight. So elections. I don't know. Do you guys have anything it's about one that one? No. <laughs> um. It's very. It's a very different story, right? Yeah. Kind of have like the the other side of like the the po the popular politician and like their yeah. their scandalous affair, but it's told from the point of view of the of the person who he's having an affair with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's pretty another short piece, but I thought it was interesting, and I yeah. Also, he's he's another one of those who don't say they love you, mm. and I don't think he will. No. no. And she knows that. She knows that, so she, <laughs> yeah. she, like, stops him from talking at the end. Yeah. Yes. She's, so. she's 21, but she already knows. 
That's right. That's what he asked. Should I believe you love me? Yeah. Right? He's like, no, shut up. No, <laughs> actually, don't say he anything. He lies in every other moment in his life, so of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not saying anything about politicians right now. I was about to say, like, oh, yeah. No, so he literally says that. Where is mm-hmm. it? No, I know. Where is it? She asked him, do you believe that? Yeah. No. Part of the job I'm description is to make people believe. Mm. To make yes. people believe. Not to say or do what's right. Like, yes. He's very particular about Oof. how he says that. What do you guys think of the sparrer? I liked this one. I'm Carlos. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but not really. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, that one kind of reminded me. That one, okay, this one should have reminded me of a meme. You're going to share a meme? What is the meme? Are we doing memes now? Yeah. What Go ahead. Meme? Say what is it? <laughs> no, uh, it's just like, there's a, I guess maybe there's a couple of variations, but like, it's kind of like the nerdy kid in high school getting bullied. And then, like, but he goes on to become successful. Yeah. And then the dude's, like, miserable. Mm-hmm. So here, I, I just think it's an interesting take on... I mean, it's just the way the character's tone shifts from the beginning, the very, very beginning to the mm. end. And it's, a, it's another short piece, but... Yeah. You know, he kind of gloats on the fact that he bullied this kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's... Obviously, he's down on his luck and mm-hmm. not doing well. Like, and, and, and we never get this other kid's story, but we can glean that he did something, you know, he, he, after getting bullied so much, he gets into fighting and he becomes a big time, Mm -hmm. uh, boxer fighter. Yeah. Right. To the point where he he shows up all successful in town and where this, whereas this dude has not done much for his life. Yeah. Trying to show off. He's like, Oh, we used to spar. We were sparring partners. Yeah. And and I like the way he just kind of rejects them. Like, that didn't happen. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's my favorite part. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I also really liked the, that tone mm-hmm. change. And that it ends there, right? Yeah. So we can kind yes. of like imagine <laughs> just how defeated he is. But not just that. It's like he said that in front of his family. <laughs> Yeah. Because he was trying to glow in front of his wife and his kids. He's like, oh, yeah, we used to spar together. <laughs> like, that never happened. But he did say, yeah, I know who you are. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I do know people yeah. like that, too. Who? It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I introduced you to this, this person, so I take credit, too, for your success <laughs> or whatever. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> no, you don't. Oof. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, the next one hurt a little bit, too. I don't know if you guys have notes on that one. Mm. Yeah, I did. I liked this story. It was so sad. Yeah, this one was sad. This one, I I, I felt the frustration, you know, of, mm-hmm. and it's from the point of view of, of the son. Mm-hmm. But, like, just, again, but, and that's the thing, though, um, how poverty is, is kind of a loop a lot of times. And... Yeah, it was just, it was kind of hard to sit through, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm. I don't know. But, but um, I think <laughs> this one t- also, <laughs> this one also deals with like addiction. Um, yeah. And I thought that this one had a really interesting way of doing it, especially from the son's perspective, because the son is able to consciously recognize that they're not doing so well financially. 
And so he's constantly trying to work and trying to earn money. And um, he worries. Yeah, and That's he worries. Big, um, yeah. But in the beginning, it's it says, um, Mama say you gotta help her quit drinking for good this time. She promised five bucks for every bottle of booze you find around the place you live. And then it ends with saying, you find nine whole bottles, you're going to be rich. And just kind of his idea of, like, I'm still getting money, like, I'm going to be okay, mm-hmm. kind of. But, like, it's coming from his mom. So, like, mm-hmm. and they're kind of still in the same place. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was really interesting. Kind of, like, because he just has this obsession with the money and he doesn't really, I don't think he really recognizes the problem so much. Just, he, like, the problem that she has with alcohol, he just recognizes the problem that they have financially. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. But I think in the end, when she pulls out the flask from her purse, when they're at that Chinese restaurant, um, and he mm. realizes, oh, I guess I'm not going to get that the, the yeah. money for those nine bottles, right? But then he says, I'm not really surprised by that. Mm, yeah. So there's a lot of those interjections that I agree with you, Vanessa, that he's like just tunnel vision, got to make money, got to help out mm-hmm. with a single mom and... We're struggling, and I've got to mow lawns, even though he's really young or whatever. Mm-hmm. He understands these things, these financial hardships. And I think he's also now starting to understand yeah. his mom's problem, um, which is his problem, too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he does say that towards the end. So mm-hmm. it's hard. It's rough to, to yeah. read yeah, the story was, and to talk about yeah. it and think about it. Um I, there's a lot of parts in the story that it, it just feels like such a, an interesting role reversal because he does seem like a little more like a parent, like worrying about these things, like what are mm. we going to do and the money. And she's just like, we're not that bad for us, you know, like on um, page 119 mm. um, where he's, he sees some free stuff I'm trying to think now what this yeah, was but she's like towards the top um it's a box of mugs box of mugs yeah yeah mm-hmm. um we don't go through nobody's trash she says but this is all free stuff you get a mug and rub it like a genie lamp we could sell these to people and make some money put that down mama clench your wrist the mac the mug crack on the curb we ain't that hard up right so like he's mm-hmm. still thinking about money and like oh mm-hmm. i can find these you know, <laughs> these things and um, help our situation. But she's she's like, we'll be fine. We'll be okay. We'll mm-hmm. figure it out, right? You, when their car is getting towed and he's like, oh, no, my mower is in the car. Mm-hmm. Again, freaking out, stressed. How are we going to pay for the tow company? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, we'll figure it out. I also think that that quote that you brought up, the where she says, we ain't that hard up, it's also like, it kind of implies that it's like it kind of hurts her pride, like that he's bringing mm-hmm. this up, like that he's feeling this responsibility, and so she's like, "Stop!" She's like, she's trying to shut him down from like yeah. trying to from him feeling the need to feel that responsibility. Right. She does say that a few other times. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think so. Yeah. Um, just reminding him it's not something you need to worry about. I mean, he's like, obviously it is. 
mm-hmm. and he feels bad because he's pointing out how their father let her his father left and mm-hmm. starts to blame her a little bit so there's these moments of where we can definitely see his resentment kind of coming through mm-hmm. in the story towards his mom but he's not outright telling her he resents her or like mm-hmm what are you doing mom or, or yeah. attacking her in any way he's telling us as we're reading this or he's kind of thinking it until mm-hmm. he does later on in the story he does say right like yeah it kind of does blame her but then he feels really really badly about it immediately after mm-hmm. so yeah catch what you can I wanted to ask you both what um, what you thought about the end, you know, like the whole lobster ordeal and like mm. him resisting, um, wanting to try it. Like after a while he changed his mind. He's like, no, never mind. I don't, I don't want to. And then she leaves to go mm. to the bathroom, presumably to drink. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Vanessa, um, about that whole scene? I think, like, they just lost their appetite from, like, the conversation al- on its own. Like, um, like the guilt kind of made them lose their appetite. Um, but then kind of seeing, like, that their mom isn't going to, like, get better or isn't really trying to get better. Right. Um, it's, I guess... For me, it was kind of this idea of, I have food now, I should just eat it, because who knows how long, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And it was free. Yeah. That was a whole other yes, thing we skipped, but um, yeah, that makes sense. What do you think, Rishi, about that last scene <laughs> in the story? Well... <coughs> It seems like he's accepted a lot of his mother's decisions, you know, and also the point where, like, he could say, I told you so. He could get angry, and he, he doesn't because mm-hmm. he sees how much he's struggling. And mm-hmm. in the end scene, you just have this moment of just purely him by himself where he does decide to try this, and then up to that point, they hadn't really... He never really considered what lobster is or how it tastes because they kept calling it like crawfish, mm-hmm. very different thing. And so, <clears throat> for the first time, well, not the first time, well, yeah, probably he's tasting lo- lobster, right? Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. way it's described is it's just this this sweet succulent thing that he's about to eat, right? It smells like honey. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, we should have brought lobster. I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what we should have brought. To fit our theme. <laughs> Dang. Next time, <laughs> <laughs> let's go catch some. But I, I, you know, I just think it's a, that little twist, you know, where he's uh, yeah. fully on his own, and able to experience this, and yeah, have his experience that. Mm-hmm. And and you also just see uh, a lot throughout stories too is just some of the economic troubles people have, and closing businesses always being closed down, mm-hmm. or moving, having to move. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that leads into the last story. I know there's a couple others we probably don't have time to talk about. Dang it, time. 
But the last story before I let go is is all about that. It's all about this woman who has been in this home for generations. It was her mom's home and her mother before her. And it's, so it's been passed down. But, of course, there's um, white people moving into the neighborhood. And it's all of a sudden desirable. And coffee houses popping up. And so <laughs> it's nothing new. It happens. No. Um, especially in a city like New Orleans, I'm sure. Um, and so she's struggling. She has all these jobs. Um, she has a daughter who's the other side of the world. And, and so we're with her trying to see and empathize with this experience of, do I let go of this home that has been passed down to me? Do I give in to gentrification to mm. the stealing of our homes of our culture of you know mm. it's it's a tough decision right and especially with her struggling so much and having to be a maid and then having to be an au pair how she calls herself a mammy, a mammy yeah. um having to do like um food delivery services, mm -hmm. having to do, like, task rabbit stuff, like, everything, all the things. She's like, mm -hmm. I'll do it. Um, and even then, it's, it's it's not enough. There's all these letters she keeps getting from potential buyers um, who are just trying to exploit. Um, yeah, it's like a people. corporate take, right? Because they even emphasize <clears throat> the fact that they try and mimic authenticity of like natural handwriting but it's, it's clearly not yeah yeah she's like i know nobody yeah. lives in that home Almost notices <laughs> um Oof. yeah this one was was quite the read i don't before i i go vanessa go ahead i just i don't want to i'll let you go first okay um, i don't want to yeah so i had one specific line that i want to talk about real quick mm -hmm. Um, so on 137, I liked the contrast that happens here. Um, so if it says, if she was in a movie, her neighbors would hold a fundraiser for her at the last second. And towards the end, that kind of happens, but not like that. And so it's like, kind of, I got like this hope feeling. I was like, oh, they're going to help her. And then it kind wow. of turned out that they just had very different opinions than she did. The, the new neighborhood association. Yeah, the yeah. neighborhood association. Huh. Yeah, it's it's at that point where she starts to recognize some of the things she she loves, mm -hmm. noticing that one day her neighbors were all different, and she didn't feel yeah. as safe hanging out outside, and she could actually enjoy her neighbor practicing his instrument, his trumpet. Mm -hmm. Um, you know. They did present something. She's like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. But then they probably started to go a little too far. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this one touches on it, like, in a way that we had in, in the rest of the stories, like, just gentrification. Mm. And mm -hmm. so, obviously, with, with New Orleans, it's it's such a cultural hotspot. You know, it's mm. such a, a big tourist city, you know, and... Mm. You see the way people's homes, and of course, as people buy homes and and change stuff, right? Her value goes up, and and so she's mm -hmm. she's struggling. Yeah, like you said, and and 
just even struggling with the idea of, of you know, like her mother owned it and her grandmother before that. Like, that's mm-hmm. also something that's really important to her. Yeah. Um, I do. I think on a, one of my lines was on a 135, one of my strong lines, so to speak. It's probably the same one that I had. About the black and white? Mm-hmm. Do you, you go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. It was like that whole paragraph for me, Same. actually. Yeah, no, like I drew a whole line. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So okay. she in this in this instance, she's talking about her her friend slash sometimes or more ex lover Colleen, who is is white, and so upon reflecting on that, I think it just speaks on a huge theme of this entire story. Um, and for another thing, she's white. Like the people moving in and buying up everything in Trim. Trimay? Trim. 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 Damn it. <laughs> I do this I every time. <laughs> this is why you made me read it, didn't you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no you, I didn't know. I don't know how to pronounce that word. What would you have said? Trim or Trim. Because there's no like accent, so. There's no but, accent, so I don't think it's Trimay. Yeah. But I want it to be. It sounds fancy. Yeah, I know. Okay. Especially because everything else is French. <clears throat> and Trim. <laughs> The black and white issue isn't just a black and white issue. It's a money and power issue, too. But it's no accident that people with money and power tend to look like Colleen. Uh, it's a little bit even foreshadowing her future employer in Eileen. Oh, Colleen, Eileen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, mm. I just I thought that was an interesting point in this in early on. And I, I thought it did. It's like a central theme here of. Maybe not just this one, but a bunch of the other stories that mm. we've read. Yeah, she's well, even like after that, she's still talking about comes down to who's willing to take without asking. Yes. Um. She and her neighbors losing their homes because they can't stop them. Stealing education, stealing housing are also in the same family, right? So this like taking, um, or ownership from those who are coming in and invading because it is an invasion um mm-hmm. oftentimes they have no control over that and that's how she feels right now too she's trying to control as best she can with all these jobs and it's like thousands of dollars that she needs to pay in taxes she can't afford anymore it's just driving them out right yeah plus um, it briefly touches on the systemic ways in which this happens right where it's you know, through ju- uh, committees and commissions and mm-hmm. judges who who rule on these things. and, and They don't think about the people associated with these homes and the culture and the generations and the memories and all of those things that are um, so important. It's just like, oh, well, mm-hmm. is this going to make money for the city? Okay, we'll approve it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought the the end of the, yeah. So I, I I didn't finish reading that section, so you could finish that part. Cause, oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I I liked the the like in a way that's such a callback to the beginning of that page or the top of that page too. <coughs> building houses and building food are in the same family. I thought it was clever to revisit that later mm-hmm. on with stealing education and stealing mm. housing are also in the same family. So mm-hmm. again, great job on. Maurice there. I know. <laughs> Gracias. There's also other, like, stories, and you you touched on Colleen being Galia, um, her ex-lover, ex-co-worker, and there's also this other character 
Derica, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot more substance. It's not just about housing and all the stuff that we're mm-hmm. talking about, but, um, but which is so, it's so authentic and so real, right. Of, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with all that stuff too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Derica too. Like she's, she's, um, having a fling, you know, having a, having this fling. She's a maid. She's also moonlights as like a musician. Mm. So everyone has like their multiple identities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Microaggressions, lots of other even stuff. Even the the casino hotel that they work for obviously ends up changing ownership, so they have the whole thing where they all lose their jobs. There's a lot of nice complexity in this piece, and it is <laughs> it is the longest one in the entire collection. Mm-hmm. And the last story too. Yeah. Before I let go, so the title. You had a revelation right now. When I we, mean, we it wasn't really a revelation. Like, oh, I was just like, oh, now that I'm looking at the title again after I just finished the story, it it makes it even more sad. <laughs> I'm just like, no, that means she's going to let go of the house. And she's just exactly. like reminiscing or she's just thinking about all the things that brought her here. And she's, I don't know if she's finally decided but it, it seems that way God damn, that is heartbreaking why did you yeah. do that why did you do that <laughs> no that's that's true um yeah i mentioned the similarity in in that in in the, in the title rhinoceros for example mm-hmm. where you know it's not till the end where maybe you can refer mm. back to like oh shit this okay. is gonna happen mm-hmm. to even kind of the image of the trumpet player getting accosted by the police at the end Mm-hmm. Shows that the neighborhood association betrayed her 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 suggestions, her thoughts mm-hmm. to be like, no. just like, like we'll think about it. Yeah, um, it's like they want everything that New Orleans represents, but they don't want there? to be bothered with noise or like, come on, like it's New Orleans. That's what she was saying about the mm-hmm. brass bands, about the musicians. About one of my favorite points there is yeah. how she mentions that, uh, well, they practice, you know, why we're like famous for our music is they they have to practice. They have to play their music and it's just such a, <clears throat> a kitsch way. Again, we were talking about tourism, how it's called out a lot as well mm. and how it yes. might mm-hmm. contribute to this. Right. Mm-hmm gentrification and, and people getting kicked out of their homes and just you have like the facade of something with and then you have like the crumbling in like base or foundation of what why that's so important why that's there where eventually mm-hmm. it's not going to have a soul mm-hmm. you know and i think that's kind of one of the battles she's having to let go mm. fuck yeah <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of like the super bowl um and how they were trying to move all the homeless community um, from that area in Inglewood because they didn't want any of the tourists to see the reality mm. that is Inglewood. Oh, and yeah. so they're like, oh, like they're, we're going to have this great, you know, Super Bowl, lots of money bringing in, but you can't see the ugly side, you know. Mm. It doesn't exist if you don't see it. So it it reminds me a lot of that, you know, this is just one Mm -hmm. other example, but Mm. they want all the nice things, the, the, the food, the culture, the music, but they don't, 
want to acknowledge all these other um, realities mm. that are that make up this city just as much as the food and music and everything else does, right? Damn. Mm-hmm. These are kind of like the ones who don't say they love you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Whoa. Like, it just... Yeah. It's like... But it's like having a, a respect and appreciation and of the people mm. who live there. And, and not, not turning a blind ones, eye. Everyone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Everyone. Yeah. And everything that comes with it. It's, you can't just pick and choose what you want from New Orleans or any city mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. border. It's a full right? thing. Yeah. Man. This is a great collection. This was yes. a great collection. Because I, I mean, we're we're getting on the longer end of our usual episodes, but I feel like we could easily talk about. We did skip some. We could talk more and more and more in, in length, you know. But I think this is a testament to what what Carlos has done. What <laughs> Maurice wrote. <laughs> He said you could call him Maurice and now you're calling him. He didn't say Carlos. He didn't give us the okay on that one. I have no idea. He he didn't give us the okay on Carlos, just Maurice. Uh, Beer. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so sorry. But, okay, fine. Start over. I'm just kidding. I tap out. No, that was really, yeah. I really enjoyed, I enjoyed this collection. It was hard to read, but. Yeah. It's necessary. It's already shortlisted, right? For uh, I believe so. Ernest J. Gaines Award. It's worth mentioning. That's cool. It's great. I can't wait for him to talk more about it as well. You know, uh, something we talk about often on this podcast. One of the beautiful things about getting to read contemporary authors is just getting to like hear them talk about their works more and more and and just see how people respond and react to it and 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 so on and so forth how they react to that um Mm -hmm. so i want to see where this book goes and and hopefully Mm -hmm. you guys listening have picked up a copy recommend it to your friends you know and let's keep let's get people keep people reading Thanks for joining us on this episode of Literally Literary, recorded at Power at the Pass and brought to you by Border Senses. This episode, we continued our discussion on The Ones Who Don't Say They Love You by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. If you haven't read it, we hope we inspire you to pick up a copy. Join us on our next episode and follow us on Instagram at literallyliterary.ep and on Twitter at literallylitep.